0: Welcome to series three of this wildlife podcast, a conservation podcast that brings you up to date with frontline conservation efforts from across the world. We talk with experts who have dedicated their lives to protect our beautiful planet, from wildlife vets, to bush pilots, to rangers leading anti-poaching operations, and those who work undercover to dismantle the illegal wildlife trade. We Of This Wildlife Podcast, and we're here to bring the wild to you. Hello to all of our listeners, and welcome to another episode of This Wildlife Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Turner, and this episode is part of a mini-series aiming to speak with some of the partners of Earthranger, Earthranger is a free online software solution that helps conservationists protect our world's wildlife and habitats with real-time data. So today's episode is focusing on someone and an organisation that dedicates their time to saving, in my opinion, one of the most fascinating species in Africa. And that is the giraffe. Stephanie Fennessy is the co-founder and co-director of the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, an organisation that works across 16 different countries and they work to create a sustainable future for all giraffes in the wild. So Stephanie, welcome onto the podcast today. It's a total delight to have you with us and uh, I think I'll start by asking where you're calling from today.
1: Hi, Amy. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, I'm calling from Windhoek, Namibia. So in the beautiful Namibia, the sun is shining. It's uh, 30 degrees at the moment. So uh, yeah, we are just hitting summer here and the weather is beautiful.
0: Oh, wow. I mean, Stephanie and I were actually just talking about uh, the Etosha National Park. Many of you, I'm sure, have been. And uh, it was making me quite sad that I wasn't uh, heading off there soon. So, Stephanie, for those who may have been to Etosha, um, how far away are you from there?
1: Um, It's about 400 kilometers. So, Windhoek is the capital of Namibia, right in the center of the country. And then Etosha is, is further north.
0: Sounds like a really good location. So... So perhaps we jump straight in then and, and get to know more about the tallest animal on earth, the giraffe. It's an animal that everyone recognizes, but I'm sure you could give us some lesser known facts about them that perhaps people don't know about. Yeah, I mean,
1: everyone, everybody loves giraffe. Uh, it's really, I have never really met anyone. I, I know one person who doesn't like giraffe <laughs> because they eat his trees, but otherwise, They're quite uncontroversial, and they are the most iconic and charismatic animal in Africa. I think um, every baby will have baby clothes with giraffe on it. Um, So we are introduced to them very early on, and they obviously look so different than anything else. So their silhouettes are really um, easily identifiable. But because they are so prominent in advertising and anywhere related to Africa, most people just don't really worry about them. Um, so what most people don't know is that giraffes are in trouble. Um, their numbers have dropped by almost 30% in the last 30 years. And there's only, our latest estimate now is that there's about 117,000 giraffes remaining in Africa. Just to put that into perspective, um, there's about 400 450,000 elephants. We all know elephants are in trouble and need our help. But that is like three or four elephants for every giraffe.
0: Wow that's a crazy statistic and I feel like this podcast is quite literally littered with statistics like that. A bit like the lion people never knew how endangered yeah. the uh, the lion was. So what are the main threats then to uh, the giraffe populations?
1: So like with most wildlife there's just Less and less space. There's more people. People need more space for agriculture, for towns, for villages. Um, there's infrastructure just dissecting areas. So the main threat to giraffe is certainly people and their, the encroachment on their space. Then there is um, disease in some areas. Um, Pouching obviously is an 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 issue in some areas. And civil unrest. Uh, Central Africa. There have been a lot of insecurity and giraffe are easily hunted and um, provide a lot of meat but what makes it even worse for giraffe is that one thing we have found out over the last 20 years of working in giraffe is that there is not only one species but there's actually four different species of giraffe which then reduces the numbers of each species which puts them into more danger um, and also Mm -hmm makes it very clear that some of these giraffes are doing better than others.
0: And in terms of poaching, are giraffes targeted by poachers or is it just snare injuries that seem to just cause horrific injuries to almost all species?
1: Yeah, with giraffe in some areas, um, we have a big program in Murchison Falls National Park where we have a a permanent veterinarian team that actually go out every day looking for snared giraffe and other animals. And they find a lot of giraffe with snare wounds. Um, They have desnared over 300 giraffe in total so far in in, in just over two years. Um, And there they're really collateral damage. The people, the poachers come in to... to, to set snares for small antelopes um, and giraffe get caught in it, they often, the snares are normally, it's, it's wire snares, they're anchored to a tree, but a giraffe is strong enough to pull it loose. And But then they walk around with a wire around their foot mainly, um, sometimes even dragging a tree behind them. In, in other areas, in Central Africa, um, where ivory poaching is an issue, we hear reports that ivory poachers then hunt giraffe to feed themselves because as i said before they're easily hunted and they provide a lot of meat.
0: So moving on then and this is a question that is often in hot debate with myself and David on game drives. And the question is do giraffes make a noise? Stephanie, i really hope you can clear this up once and for all. Do do giraffes vocalise mm. at all?
1: So most people or many people think that giraffes are mute, um, which is not the case. They're not very vocal. They don't readily communicate. And it's very—it's rather rare that you hear them make noises. Um, but they can make a whole array of noises. And they have vocal cords. Um, so obviously they can. So they do some horse-like noises like snorting. Um, they can roar. That sounds almost like a lion when they're in distress. Um, but normally, they don't vocalize a lot. But what people think is that they probably have another way of communicating that they do make noises um, that we can't hear. But it's really difficult to record that and to, to, to research it. And there's very little has been done. And that is another really fascinating fact about giraffe is that they're really still very under researched. There's a lot of things we don't know about them
0: is fascinating and my second question perhaps with even more heated debate is what do you call a group of giraffe i've heard a herd a tower a journey a kaleidoscope has all also been thrown into the mix too so, so yeah what do you call them
1: yeah the english language is beautiful and as a german i'm obviously an expert in this <laughs> We scientifically we we refer to them as a herd, um, but I believe in the English language, if you see giraffe, a group of giraffes standing, it's a tower and if they walk it's a journey. Which is very beautiful, but I like the kaleidoscope as well.
0: <laughs> well, I'm truly glad that is now cleared up. And um, I've commonly seen giraffes in herds of about five to eight eight members, but how big can these herds get?
1: How long is a piece of string? It really depends on the where they are. Um, in Murchison Falls National Park in Uganda, we see herds of up to 100 individuals, whereas in northwestern Namibia, really dry desert area, they're normally small groups, um, five, but also in some areas, 20. So it depends a little bit on, on food availability, on obvious the size of the total population, but then also um, giraffe have a, we call it a fission-fusion relationship. So that means they don't have super strong bonds, they come together and leave again. So you see giraffe that hang out a little bit more with each other or you see them quite regular, but you also always see giraffe that will join a group and then move on and hang out with others. So they definitely do have bonds, but they are probably um, not as strong as, for example, an elephant or lion.
0: That's such a great insight into these magnificent creatures that I'm sure a lot of people don't actually know the ins and outs of. But moving on to the work of the Giraffe Conservation Foundation that you co-founded, please could you give us an insight into your work?
1: Yeah, so... GCF, we are we are based in Windhoek, but um, this is just where our headquarters are. We, we are also registered in the U.S., um, but we currently work in 16 African countries. We have about 20. Our team is now 20 people. Um, we come from, I think, 16 different countries. Um, we have staff in six or seven African countries, so it's quite diverse. We are uh, moving around a lot because we just really realized that um, giraffe are in trouble and there is a lot we can do and we really like to work with partners on a continent-wide approach so um, as you mentioned we currently work in 16 countries with partners mainly the governments local NGOs local communities to save giraffe Um, so yeah it's quite a a diverse team a diverse background Um, we were founded officially in 2009 um, but only have been working In a paid capacity since 2014-2015. So it was um, my husband Julian and I who started GCF. Julian uh, did his PhD on giraffe, started in the late 90s in in northwestern Namibia and while he did a field study he also looked at giraffe numbers and obviously did literature reviews and realized there was just so little known about giraffe. So That's how we got involved. And when we started collating the numbers and realised numbers are actually much lower than what anyone thought, and no one was really paying attention. We really thought someone has to do something for these uh, amazing creatures.
0: And more specifically, what what kind of work do you do then? Is it relocation? Are you saving habitat? Is it preventing poaching? You name it.
1: Um, we always say um, giraffe can only be saved in Africa by African people. And we see ourselves a little bit of a initiator. We um, work in in many different countries and the problems and threats are, are different in every country. But what we mainly do is that we go in and we um, work initially with the government and we try to develop a, a national giraffe conservation strategy and action plan. So that means we really bring together um, all players who are involved and know something about giraffe in the country and we really go through and identify threats and then based on that we we come up with with actions and these are then prioritized and that helps us also to get the buy-in of the government and other players and then based on that we define our approach in a specific country. So in Uganda, in Kenya, Tanzania, um, some other countries, Nigeria, um, we have these action plans. We are at the moment working also with the, um, with the Kaza area, which is the, a big transfrontier area here in Southern Africa to just really look at what are the threats to giraffe there and then get all players involved in, in collaboratively saving them because we, we can't just do it by ourselves.
0: Yeah, and I've seen some of your footage of your work on YouTube and some of the images of giraffe capture and relocation. I mean, I've seen some crazy things in my time, but that (laughs) looks absolutely wild. And what's even funnier is that these giraffes go through what I can only imagine is a pretty hectic time for them, but then they seem to just stand on the back of a container munching on some leaves afterwards. They they don't really look too concerned about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, no. So I imagine you've been involved in, in some of these relocations. Could you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And it, it is absolutely crazy. So giraffe translocation is obviously one of the, the actions we can do if there is habitat where giraffe have gone locally extinct or if there's only tiny population that might be genetically not viable it's obviously great to bring giraffe back into that area or to to boost the existing population. So for that, you have to move them. And as you can imagine, if you look at the giraffe, moving them is not, not that easy. So first you have to, to catch them somehow. And there's two ways of doing it. Either you catch them individually or um, you do a mass capture where you basically chase them with a helicopter into a, a huge funnel and get them on the truck. But um, yeah, there's a lot of challenges to capturing giraffe because of their body shape and um, the environment. Yeah, it is absolutely crazy. So as you said, there's quite a few videos on our YouTube channel. Um, If it looks crazy, it is crazy. But uh, yeah, but we work with amazing experts here with veterinarians and game capture teams who really know what they're doing. And while it looks quite wild, and as we said, crazy, and sometimes also quite, Um, confrontational for the giraffe it is the best way of doing it and what we as you just mentioned as well they settle down very quickly on a truck and even more so in their new habitat we see that they really settle in and within a few years we normally translocate quite young animals so it takes a few years before they will have the first offspring but they settle in very well and that is most likely also an Um, advantage of their social structure that they have this uh, fission fusion that when you bring some different giraffe together they actually become mates.
0: Okay and and what's the main reason to relocate a giraffe? Is it for obvious reasons you know just to repopulate another giraffe-less area?
1: Yeah exactly so in Uganda for example when we started working in Uganda there was um, two population of, of Nubian giraffe and um, they're critically endangered on the IUCN red list, so they're really in trouble. Um, now there is, let me quickly count, one, two, three, four, five, five viable population of of Nubian giraffe. So we, together with the Uganda Wildlife Authority and other partners, we established three new populations and bolstered an, another one, which was a small population that didn't really... There was not much happening. They didn't really grow. Um, So we brought some more giraffe in and now they're having babies and things are going really well. So this is the main reason just to, in that case, um, as I said, Nubian giraffe are really in trouble and more than 50% of the total population of Nubian giraffe lived in one national park. So it was a classic all eggs in one basket scenario. So we really tried to just um, establish some other populations to make sure um, if something goes wrong, there is others. Um, here in Namibia we do a few, quite a few, have done quite a few translocations over the last years um, where we bring giraffe actually from national parks or private land back into communal land. Um, before independence, there was an independence war here. Poaching was a real issue in a lot of communal areas. Now these areas are very safe. People are looking after their wildlife. Um, so we bring giraffe back because they can live happily there. And it also helps the local communities because it increases the tourism potential.
0: And I suppose one of my main questions then is, is what is the giraffe population at the moment? Is, is it going the right way? Are numbers increasing or, or are they sadly decreasing still?
1: No, it's definitely going the right way. We just um, actually, last week, we, we published a paper um, with our latest numbers and our latest numbers now show that there's 117,000 giraffe. A few years ago, we talked about just under 100,000 um, so, numbers are going up and I would love to say this is a total increase and it's all fantastic, but another reason why the numbers are going up is just that we are counting them better. So, just by creating interest and getting partners involved, getting governments involved, there is more surveys, there is more focus on giraffes, so the data we are getting is, is better as well. So, it's a combination of both, but we definitely see that there is much more interest in giraffe um from african governments from other conservation ngos and that is obviously really positive
0: oh, they're such brilliant creatures and i must say they are my favorite species to see on a uh, bushwalk they're not going to eat you to be honest with you i think any herbivore zebra impala they really are my favorites um <laughs> herbivores have really uh, yeah. got my heart <laughs> Um, anyway, that's, that's good
1: to know. I mean, you're a very rare creature because we we actually we have asked a lot of people, and and the funny thing is, most people when they come to Africa, they will say they say they will want to see lion, they want to see leopard and cheetah and rhino and elephant. Most people do not mention a giraffe, but when they go home and they haven't seen a giraffe, they don't feel like they have been in Africa.
0: I couldn't agree more. So so moving on to our next topic and that is technology i mean this series is all based around technology and conservation we're specifically focusing on the earth ranger software um stephanie please could you explain whether you use this and could you talk us through how you use
1: it yeah we, we use technology a lot and we have this amazing partnership with earth ranger that has really been super helpful for us we um do GPS satellite tracking of giraffe. So we equip them with a GPS satellite tracker and then we can follow them online, which teaches us a lot about how they move, how they use the habitat. It's super important after translocations to see how they settle into their area. Do they actually stay in the area we had hoped they would stay. Um, if they move out of it, we can intervene. And um, through Earth Ranger, it's an amazing earth. It's an amazing interface that helps us to to monitor the giraffe. It gets all our data together into one one point where we can check them. We can uh, feed the information to partners who do anti poaching control. Um, just to give you an example, I just asked our our expert on tracking. And he said this year alone in 2021, we have collected 335,000 data points. So that's a huge amount of data and through Earth Ranger, it really helps us to visualize it and to manage this, this data load. Um, so we, are, we have deployed, I think, over 250 GPS satellite units in, in eight different countries. Um, just to learn because, as I said, there's so little known about giraffes and no one really knows how they use their habitat. Um, Yeah, another way we use technology is uh, pattern recognition. So another thing that most people don't know is that um, each giraffe has an individual pattern. So it's just like a human fingerprint. So we can take a photo of a giraffe to identify them, which really helps us in surveys. Um, when we started working in Murchison Falls National Park, they thought that there was about 700 giraffe in that population. Now we have taken right-hand photos of each and every single giraffe and we have literally doubled the population just by counting them. We now know that there is at least 1,450 because we have photos and... In a small population you can obviously look at the photos and compare them but in a big population that's not possible so um, we use um, artificial intelligence programs to help us with identification
0: whilst you're talking actually a light bulb has has actually gone off in my head we were in the serengeti this time last year and came across a giraffe with a tracker attached to its head i mean it could be seen as almost like a horn like structure i don't know what they're called but is yes, this one of the giraffes is, that you track?
1: Exactly. <laughs> that would have been one of our Aussie units. So another fun fact, giraffe don't have horns. They have Ossicorns. cones. Um, so they're called Ossie So we um, put these G- GPS satellite units, we attach them to their ossicones, and then I can log into Earth Ranger and I can tell you exactly where this giraffe is right now. Oh, well, that's funny! Oh well, I'm
0: glad you got to the bottom of that. That's super cool.
1: Yeah, I think we have, I think we only have about ten deployed in, in the Serengeti. So you're very lucky to see it. And um, I mean, we started. Also, the collar technology has obviously um, evolved quite a bit. Um, so the units are quite small, and people actually don't often see them and we are just now testing some new um, ear tags and units we actually put on the tail.
0: Oh, well, that makes me very happy. And it's quite a big place as well. It's quite lovely. Yeah,
1: exactly. No, it's, I mean, if you if we go out and try to find the giraffe, we sometimes really struggle because obviously the data is a little bit delayed. And then if you see a big herd, but um, yeah, no, great, I'll report back to our team tick giraffe doing well serengeti (laughs) yeah it was
0: right on the road and everything i think it was quite proud of its tracker to be honest and um so that brings me on to one of my last questions then obviously you're looking to protect the entire species but do you ever get to know a certain individual
1: giraffe so in general we are more concerned about the four species not the species but the four species of giraffe so this is our general approach but Obviously, we some giraffe you get to know a bit better. So when, when my husband, Julian, started his research in northwest Namibia in the late 1990s, he started taking photos of individual giraffe. And now when we go there, we still see some of the same giraffe. And some of them you, you know. I mean, I have a, a wedding ring that has a... Has a, a tail hair of a giraffe in it, and I know which giraffe it comes from because we took it when we tagged it. Um, so yeah, so there's definitely some special giraffe. And then I don't know if you've seen it, but um, we um, we observed two dwarf giraffe, one one here in Namibia, and our team was actually out just a few days ago to. Um, determine the exact height using technology, trying to figure out how high, how tall Nigel is exactly, and he's about two meters fifty only, which is tiny, um, because um, he was listed now in the Guinness Book of Records as the first dwarf giraffe recorded. But we want to get him in as the shortest giraffe. So. Um, yeah, so there's a few, but in general, we, we don't own any giraffe. We don't have a farm where we have a personal relationship with giraffe. But yeah, some, some we know better than others.
0: Oh, I am so pleased that you reminded me of Nigel there's no one on this planet that can look at him and not find him absolutely adorable yeah
1: no he's awesome and we our team as i said just went out yesterday and saw him he's doing really well um, hanging out with his mates and um enjoying life
0: i'll also link Nigel's video onto our social media because it's certainly worth a watch yeah And uh, Stephanie, what motivates you to do this job and uh, commit your life to this work?
1: It's In the end, It's I really feel we are making a difference. Um, you, you forget about that in, in your day-to-day life because my everyday life is sitting in front of the computer a lot and, and doing a lot of frustrating things, um, but it's super varied, which is great. I work with so many different passionate people, um, get to meet amazing people. And sometimes I even get to travel a bit, not as much as I would like to. Um, but in the end, I really try to remind me regularly that we are making a difference. Giraffe would not be in the same place they are now if it wasn't for the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. I'm just super proud and excited to, to be part of that um, and work in this amazing team that we are.
0: Stephanie, it's been an awesome half an hour or so speaking with you today. It's so interesting to hear about a slightly different set of problems facing this species, um, unlike the other species that we've talked about on this podcast before. It's fascinating to hear about the work of the Giraffe Conservation Foundation how you use Earth Ranger and of course Nigel the Giraffe, which is a firm favorite for me. So, Stephanie, before we finish, are there any final words before we
1: go? So, what a lot of people also don't know is that the 21st of June is World Giraffe Day. We at GCF started that a few years ago because we just wanted to draw some attention to Giraffe and wanted to give people around the world an opportunity to celebrate Giraffe and, and get involved. So, 21st of June, the longest day in your part of the world, the longest night in my Uh, It's is world giraffe day so maybe next year 21st of june celebrate with us
0: (laughs) it's the best day of the year for sure well maybe i'm biased anyway thank you so much for your time today and best of luck in the future you've listened to this wildlife podcast hosted and produced by amy turner and david grant To get updates on previous and upcoming guests, you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook. We want these vital conservation messages shed far and wide. So, if you fancy it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and please do subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. It's awesome to have you along on this journey with us. We are This Wildlife Podcast and we're here to bring the wild to you.